This is Ira on Sports Trulli's channel. I'm Mike Balsamo, 7.30 on the dot. Time to bring in John Machota. He's uh, from The Athletic, covers the Dallas Cowboys. You can follow him on Twitter, at John Machota. John, thank you so much for joining us here today on Ira on Sports. No problem at all. Thanks for having me on. Ira, what do you have for John? Uh, um, it's, it's awesome to have you. Thanks for coming on. First of all, I want to talk about The Athletic a little bit. Uh, I've been a subscriber the last year and a half, and I think your coverage has been fantastic throughout all the teams. And I love the fact that you can now say, I want to get more stuff about the Steelers or 49ers or whatever team you like. And when it comes up, it comes up like that. You don't get that from ESPN. You don't get that from CBS. So that's what I really enjoy uh, the site in terms of what, how the, what you're doing with, with the athletic. I appreciate that. We, we definitely try to uh, make it as streamlined as possible for that. And, and, and to be honest with you, one of my favorite things about it is just that you have colleagues that cover every other team, so you always have someone to like turn to, like, hey, what is going on here? You know, should you know this team's playing the Cowboys this week? What what should I look for? And, and yeah, I just uh, it's been great. I've been here since 2019, and I really can't think of any other place that I'd rather work. Now you covered the Cowboys for the Dallas Morning News, and now that's what the Athletic does. I've seen a lot of where sometimes they've taken writers from the local papers and who's covered the teams already and brought them in. So I love the fact that you can get that in-depth analysis. And so you're, but we're, let's talk a little about the Cowboys in terms of you had some great articles and you sort of summarize their. You know, they trained and people don't realize that they train in California and they come back one of the few teams that train so far away. But you were very impressed with their training camp this year. Yeah, and it is so great because, like, as of right now, so I'm in, I'm in back in Dallas right now, and as I'm talking to you, I'm sitting in my car, and it says outside right now that it's 105 degrees, okay? So um, record heat here in Texas, and that's why they go to California is because uh, they're in Oxnard, and it's uh, they practice outside on two grass fields, and uh, the weather's never an issue, and, and everything goes pretty well. And, and, yeah, I know this camp for them. I mean, they're, they're pretty loaded on both sides of the ball, but, I mean, the uh, so the number one thing that stood out from, from their training camp is really just how dominant Micah Parsons was and, and how he really is shaping up to as good as he was his first two years in the league. I mean, he's really got a chance to take this defense and himself really to, to a whole other level. There's some commentary that he added some weight, and was that going to slow him down? He's not going to pressure the quarterback as much because he added that weight. He's trying to, but I, I'll believe it when I see it because he does not look like he's that much bigger. And the reason he wanted to do it is because, like, last year during the back half of the season, you know, playing as a little bit smaller of an edge rusher, you know, he takes quite a pounding from guys that are, are a lot bigger than him on the tackle spot. And so he wanted to add that on, hoping that that would allow him to, you know, be a little bit fresher later in the year. And, and that is the hope. Um, but when you're a young guy like he is, and, and, you know, in the prime of your athletic career, sometimes it's hard to keep that weight on um, because you burn, you burn those calories so fast with everything that he's doing. Uh, on the field and then during the week during practices. So yeah, that's that's the goal, but I'll, you know, I'll kind of I'll believe it when I see it. The Cowboys always bring a big name free agent and they brought Stephen Gilmore in this year and then to a team with Diggs in the secondary and you said, "Look, Gilmore looks good, Diggs looks good, DeMarcus Lawrence looks good. You love their defense with Parsons added to it, but everybody else all the other players." For, for sure. I mean, that's the thing like you go back just 2-3 years ago and this Cowboys defense was one of the worst in the league, but then you go and draft you know, a guy like Micah Parsons and draft Trayvon Diggs, and then things start heading in the right direction. Dan Quinn comes aboard, uh, and then they're able to find some, some really good value in free agency with guys like, you know, J. Ron Curse and Malik Hooker. And, and so now all of a sudden, you know, now you got this group that's been together for a few years, and they keep, you know, ascending up. The thing of the last couple of years is that they were great at taking the ball away, led the league in, in takeaways the last two years something that hasn't been done by a team in back-to-back years since those, you know, steel curtain dominant Steelers defense. <laughs> yes, I love that. I love those teams. 
Yeah, yeah, it's just crazy. It's been that long since the team's done that back to back years. But this defense is is more solid across the board. Like that, they're better in the middle. Uh, you know, there's been times in the, in the years past where you know you could kind of gouge them in the run game, and and they've really solidified that. And then the other issue was their their number two corner, and, and to make that move for Gilmore, who really at, at training camp, I mean, he he has been one of their defensive standouts. And so, I mean, all the pieces are there. You got the coordinator back. You got you know. The, the star player in Micah that can elevate the group, and then you, you really don't have a weakness there. So uh, for a Cowboys team that's usually been built around its offense, I mean, this is this is a defensive first team right now. And then to move to the offense, uh, the fact that you, I was the article you wrote, anyone I suggest go to the Athletic and read your story. You like how C.D. Lamb looks. You love the addition of Brandon Cooks in terms of while he's playing and at wide receiver. And then you talked about this Jalen Tolbert, who people might not know so much about, but you're just blown away by how well he's played. Yeah, he, he was. He really disappointed last year. They they drafted him in the third round. Talked talked about considering him in the second. They get him in the third, and it just he did not hit. It was a, it was a slow process. He didn't make much of an impact at all. Uh, they were hoping that he'd have a bigger role, and then so going into this off season, you're just kind of like, I mean, it's all there for Tolbert to win that number four job. Uh, let's see if he can do it. And and he looked like he was on task at you know OTAs at minicamp. Spent some time working with Dak in between that. Uh, and then he gets to training camp and just hit the ground running. And in both their preseason games, I mean, it just he really looks like a guy that, you know, it's one thing when we talk to him at OTAs or training camp and they talk about how confident they are. It's another to actually, like, see it on the field. And, 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 and in the spot he's in where he's not in that clear, you know, first group, he's working with Dak, but a lot of times he's working with Cooper Rush or Will Greer. And, and so sometimes that's tough for a receiver, but it hasn't been for, me, for him. I, I see him having a, a pretty big role on this team this year, and I really didn't expect to say that. Uh, a month ago. And one of the uh, players that people talk about in fantasy football constantly right now is Deuce Vaughn at running back. Now, we know Pollard is uh, coming back from injury uh, there, but but Deuce Vaughn has made such an impression around the country, really. Besides Dak and Micah, is probably the most talked about cowboy right now. Yeah, and really with Deuce, I mean, when you first see him at rookie minicamp, you're just like, I can't believe that this guy has been able to, at this size, have the success he did at Kansas State. Is he really going to be able to do that at the NFL level? And training camp practices aren't the best barometer because they're not tackling to the ground. And so there'd be a lot of plays out in Oxnard where Deuce would spin off a guy, and you're like, and it looked really good, but is that going to happen in a game? They're not really trying to tackle here. They're just kind of trying to thud him up. And then you get to the preseason, and you see him make some of these big plays. You're like, man, that looked a lot like Kansas State. Can he, can he do this in the NFL? And, and now you're just kind of thinking, like, I mean, Tony Pollard's clearly their, their number one featured back, but... I mean, Deuce looks like a guy that could handle a role of maybe getting five, six, seven touches a game in a, in a variety of ways. I just hand him the ball, maybe throwing him some screens and things like that. So he has been a big surprise. I mean, to be a sixth-round pick and then at his size, and then also just the fact that how devalued that running back position has been, that maybe they did find one of the biggest steals in the draft in the sixth round. And then it'd be, I'd be remiss, but the only person to ever not talk about the Cowboys and not talk about Dak Prescott in terms of it seems like every national newscast has to, uh, at sports, has to lead with Dak Prescott this. He gets in a fight with Diggs. Dak Prescott has 15 interceptions. I think everyone knows that Dak Prescott had 15 interceptions. I don't think they knew about any other quarterback. But it seems like, you know, as I said, I, I, I hate interceptions. I mean, so what? I mean, five or six or seven of them could be at the end of a quarter where someone's trying to, end of the half, just throw the ball down there but how's Dak done with the dealt with the pressure about the team the expectations everything like that I mean that aspect of his game I don't I don't know how you could be any better you know that's the thing uh covering this this Cowboys team since 2011 you know I've really got a chance to learn like 
it's just being the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys is not for everyone. I mean, it's, it's hard. It's hard enough to be able to be good enough to ever play in the NFL, but it's a whole other thing to have to have that on your shoulders. Uh, and it really, I mean, to be honest, it just speaks to just the greatness of a Troy Aikman or Roger Staubach to be able to get to the level that they did. You know, with the pressure of you know being the quarterback of America's team and everything that comes with it, because everything you do is magnified. Because I'm seeing that the most this offseason, which is how many stories are written and how much is talked about his 15 interceptions, just because it, the interceptions have never been an issue in his career. And it's not like there's this small sample size. He's been their starter since 2016. So uh, he's handled it great, you know. But ultimately, it does have to come down to him playing better in the playoffs. I mean, um, if you were going to say that you know one player absolutely has to play better than they did against the 49ers in the playoffs, it's going to be Dak Prescott. I mean, he had one of the worst games of his career there. So I get why that there is criticism of him. Um, but like I said, I, there's nobody that I could ever see handling it better uh, than how he's handled it. But people forget. I mean, I was at the game in Tampa when he ended Tom Brady's career. So they played so well in that game. So I think people think about the San Francisco game. And also, they had a quick turnaround. Remember, they played that Monday night and had to go back on, I think, on Saturday or Sunday. So it was a short week when San Francisco had time to rest up. So I give him a little pass on that on that one game. But we're talking to uh, John Mashota, who is, works for the writer for The Athletic. And the reason I brought you on, besides talking about the Dallas Cowboys, was that you had an amazing article today about the top. Uh, the Athletic rated the top, the top all 30 stadiums in the NFL and I thought it was uh, it's a must read and I just wanted to, you to talk about it. I've been to 25 of the 30 so thanks for coming on and at least talking about what your ranking system and tell me what the criteria was and how uh, the writers all decided to rank or was there even a criteria? Yeah, so this started out like so three years ago I did it and it was one of those things it was an off-season thing that I did when it was, it was like in June it was probably the, the only dead point in the season for an NFL team if there ever is one and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to write something on, like, what, what are the top five and, and bottom five stadiums in the NFL? And so I started reaching out to some writers, and before you knew it, I had a, a group of about 30 that I put it together, and I'm like, okay, this is everybody's top five and bottom five. And so I started, you know, ranking it by, like, point value on, on okay, you know, let's see who will rank. The top. And by the time I was done with it, I was like, oh, if you get 30 people to rank five, the top five and bottom five, you'll get enough that you can rank every one of the stadiums. Like, the middle will fill itself out because – there will be enough stadiums that people rank so poorly that it will pull them down in, in, in the ranking. And it, I never thought I'd be able to rank all 30, well, 30 stadiums uh, for the 32 teams off of that. And so it worked pretty seamlessly. And so, you know, that was three years ago, and I hadn't done it again since. I was like, well, let me wait until, you know, some, some more people have gotten a chance to beat a SoFi and, and it got a chance to go to Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. And so I was like, this summer, I'm like, I'll do it again. And same deal, got 30 writers and uh, was able to put this together. And a lot of them are similar to what it was three years ago. There, there, there were a couple of, of, of big swings, but I'm like you. I've been to 26 out of the 30. Um, the COVID year is when the Cowboys played, you know, at, you know, against Cincinnati, Cleveland, Baltimore, and I didn't get to go to those. So those three I haven't been to, and then uh, I haven't been to Allegiant yet in Las Vegas. And so, so being to 26 out of the 30, when I was done adding it all together and, and ranking them, um, I mean, I would say almost all of them I agree with. Uh, I was like, this is pretty much where I would have most of these stadiums. There were only maybe one or two where I was like, yeah, I'd have that one a little bit higher. But for the most part, I mean, I'd put that ranking up against anyone's. 
Well, and the number one ranking is the Viking Stadium, the U.S. Bank Stadium in Minnesota. Um, and I'm going to say this. If you go to Section 6, I think V1, um, it is the best seat in any stadium I've ever been in because it's only like 16 rows back on the second level, the second level of the club. It's almost like you're on a ladder, like above the coaches. So you're so close to the field, you almost feel you fall over. You're going to fall right on the field. You're not blocked by any of the of the players, but you're close enough on the field. So I think it's the best seat. The first row in that club is the best seat and I, I sat in the second row but I love this stadium and I love the fact it's downtown and you can walk to it from this even though I was there at the coldest day the Steelers played it was like 100 degrees below and you could just walk there on the on the, uh, the thing so the uh, around it you don't have to go outside at all so it's pretty cool yeah I, I think that that's what makes it one of those cities where you can have Super Bowls there, even though it's in February, is because, you know, Indy's a little bit like that, too, and that's why it's been decent for the Combine to be in Indianapolis, because you can stay in those, I guess they call them, like, breezeways. They're basically, like, above-ground, you know, tunnels that go across from one place to another, so you can kind of stay inside without really having to go outside very much, and so that helps, obviously, uh, in downtown Minneapolis. But Minnesota, though, the, the thing about the team is there's tons of natural light that make you feel like you're almost outside, but then their in-game production is just so outstanding. I mean, the fake snow, they have the skull yes. chant, they have the Viking horn. I mean, every, their in-game production, like, I haven't been to a place that's done it better. I've heard that the in-game is, is pretty good at Allegiant, which you'd expect from the city like Las Vegas. So I, I can't wait to see that, but I'd be I'd be surprised if it can top Minnesota. So, um, yeah, it didn't surprise me at all. that. I mean, it, and to be honest with you, in those rankings, like, that Vikings at USA US Bank Stadium, it was number one pretty by far. I mean, it wasn't really even close to SoFi at two. I mean, it was it, it's a clearly a favorite of most most people have been there. So I think I don't know how your rankings like I think there's a difference between rankings like normal seats and club seats because the SoFi clubs are tremendous. But I've sat in both. I sat uh, in club seats and in the Super Bowl. I didn't sit in the club seats. And I I just think the state I'm, I, I would not rank it number two. I think it's just also I was there for the uh, uh, national championship game when it was pouring down rain and the water was coming in and everything like okay, that. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like it was horrendous with that. So I was cold and rainy and the roof was leaking. But I don't know. I'm not sold. I think the parking is hard. There's nothing really around the stadium. I, I'm not sold that so far. I think for and I don't think the side angles were that great. So I, I sort of question the number two ranking for SoFi, even though it's a brand new stadium, it costs two billion dollars. But I would put it more in the middle, not at the top, like you had it. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, so I've been to SoFi twice, and I totally get where you're coming from on that stuff. There isn't really much by it. Um, I think it's just because. One, I think people really like the natural light despite being inside. Like I said, like, like the Minnesota one where it has, it's indoors, but you also kind of have that feeling like you're out. The other thing that seems like a lot of, a lot of people liked about SoFi, and I, and I did too, is that, is that big screen that kind of goes, it goes all the way around the field, but it's, uh, it's not, a, it's not as distracting as the, you know, the big screen at AT&T Stadium. And I think people, a lot of people like that. Um, but I, I get where you're coming from too, because there is a little bit about it where, I can see how some people might think it's a little sterile and, and things like that. Maybe it doesn't have as much character as some of the other places uh, on the list, for sure. Well, you had Lambeau Green Bay Stadium at third and Arrowhead Stadium at sixth. I, I, Lambeau is one, surprising, I haven't been to. I've been to Arrowhead like six, seven times. I love the stadium. The amenities aren't that great, and the location isn't that good, but it's super loud, and their fans, I mean, that's like one of those stadiums where like the fans make the stadium. I think there's nothing about the stadium that's great except the fact that the Kansas City Chiefs fans are absolutely the, one of the best in the whole, in the whole league. 
you know, I feel that way about Kansas City, and I've, I've felt that way about uh, Seattle, um, in that they're both super loud, and for, you know, the last whatever decade, uh, they've been pretty good teams, too. So you, you, I agree with you that the fan experience adds to it, because uh, if you can have a stadium like that that's outdoors and still loud, like it's an indoor stadium, that's just so rare to have. Also, those two stadiums just look nothing like any other stadium, and so there's definitely the uniqueness to it, whereas, you know, same deal with Lambeau. I mean, you're outside, and, and I, Lambeau, I just think they've done such a great job in the fact of uh, it's, a, it's, it's such an old stadium, but they've upgraded so many things around it, but then also were able to keep it still where you feel like this is not a new stadium. I still feel like it's pretty historic, and then it just the fact that it's in the middle of this town that it doesn't you know you know you go to all these other nfl stadiums that are you know represent these huge cities and this little town is just all about that that team it's like it's an green bay is like this nfl town uh whereas you normally would think okay well this this team would be in milwaukee or something like that and so there's just something about being around that stadium and being inside that stadium that makes it stand out that uh most people that go there i mean as long as you can handle the cold uh, most people aren't disappointed if they if they make at least one trip to Lambeau. <laughs> and uh, just to I'll run through a couple more stadiums is a Creasure you have ranked as number ten. The Steelers, everyone knows it as Heinz Field. No one knows it as Creasure. And M and T Bank, Baltimore is eleven. But they're the, to me the same stadiums as the Cleveland Browns stadium, which is nineteen. And you put Paycourt Cincinnati at twenty seven. But I think all four were built around the same time, and they're all both, both downtowns. They're so and they're all in the same division. But to me, they're equal. And I don't like and I honestly don't like any of them. I really don't. <laughs> and I think of the four. I think a creature's the worst. The, the, the club section, there's no room to walk around. I think the stadium is overrated. I just maybe I'm, I have nostalgic with three over stadium, but I really don't like a creature. And a lot of the Steeler fans don't like it either. I'm not the only one who who hasn't been sold with the stadium. We love the location, but I don't really like the stadium. Yeah, I was kind of surprised it was higher on the list this year than it was three years ago. Um, I like to me, and again, that's the other thing that you're going to get is a lot of people are going to have their own things that they like. Uh, and, and 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 probably overrated than other things like it. Like I've seen a lot of fans talking about like how the concession stands rank and, and stuff like that. <laughs> that's not a big of a deal with me. Like I don't care about that as much. A lot of fans talk about like how difficult it is to park at places or how expensive the parking is, and so that obviously that's not as, as big of a deal for me. So I'm going to probably overrate any stadium that's in a downtown area that's by water. I just think that if you have that chance, like I'm I'm originally from Detroit. And I just felt like if they could have built an outdoor stadium for the Lions, they should put it on the Detroit River. And instead they did Ford Field. It's an indoor. It's just, it's, it's okay. You know, it's a middle of the pack, you know, NFL stadium. But uh, I like the outdoor stadiums. But I agree with you on, again, I haven't been to Cincinnati or uh, Baltimore. But um, I did like when I, when I went to Pittsburgh. I've only been there once. But on the Florida stadiums, I love Raymond James Stadium. I'm one of the few people. And I loved, you had TA Bank Jacksonville, the stadium, and I read what you wrote. It was terrible, but you wrote, put them 29. <laughs> but I tell everyone on the show, I love going to those games. I was at that San Diego game this past year. I love the fact there's two levels of clubs everybody can go in. I like the pools. I like the location. There's nothing I don't like about the stadium. I actually do like that, and I like Tampa Stadium, so on those ones. But I totally agree with you about Hard Rock. And Mike, my co-host here, says the same thing. It is horrendous. I don't think I get that just because the stadium is so bad the location is so bad everything about there's nothing about hard rock nothing I like it's bad in the winter bad in the summer it's too hot the sun reflects on the seats I can't say one good thing about hard rock yeah I I, I didn't have an argument with TIA bank being down there I didn't I didn't have a really great experience this year when I, that was the first time I went there 
Uh, I thought it was okay. Um, I thought that kind of like, you know, when I mentioned with Pittsburgh, you can kind of see downtown, uh, you know, you can see the river and that, and there's just nothing about Jacksonville Stadium that made it just seemed like at, at, there was a time when it was probably pretty good, and it just is kind of like time has passed it by. Um, but, yeah, I, I wasn't a huge fan of that when I went there. And then, yeah, Miami is just, uh, um, I, well, I don't know if I should share this or not, but I'm like a diehard Florida State football fan. And so, <laughs> and so uh, I just want Miami's football team to play there for the rest of the time. <laughs> it doesn't it seem when Florida State plays Miami, there's always a monsoon at the game. It's just like it's like it's a must. Like, you know it's going to be a monsoon there. But I, I hate that stadium. And then we have to say, I'm sure our listeners are going to ask, what was the worst stadium? And I think there's no debate on this is the FedEx Stadium in Washington is clearly number is the worst. So... I say that there's three tiers of stadiums, but you can even make an argument that there's a fourth tier, and that would just be Washington's all by itself. <laughs> uh, there's nothing about it that makes it seem like they're even trying. Um, and now maybe that will change under new ownership. Maybe there will be things about it that they upgrade. I'll, I'll be I'll be fascinated out to looking forward to that because uh, I've been so disappointed because obviously the Cowboys are in the same division, so I'm going there every year and. Uh, it just, I don't know, man, for a team that's, that is, you know, in the nation's capital, to just to do the drive over to Landover, and, and, and just, it just, nothing about the stadium stands out, and then obviously, you know, the stuff that everybody knows about, the leaky pipes, you know, the, the railings falling over, on the, and, and fans falling on the players, it just, I don't know, there just doesn't seem like there's much of an effort there, so I feel like there's a top tier, there's kind of a middle tier of stadiums, then there's a bottom tier, and then probably in that fourth one. Is probably FedEx Field in Washington. And I just before we get to our next guest, I just wanted Gillette, I think is horrendous. It's impossible to get to. And I loved how you ranked MetLife because it was just recently built for $2 billion. Everyone thinks it's a great stadium for the Jets and the Giants, but it's in the horrendous location and it's impossible to get in, possible to get out. And I think it's the most boring stadium, sterile in the world. So I, I like the fact you rated, you rated it 25th. I, I kind of feel like they made it boring because there's two teams that play there so they can just make it easy to transition from one to the other. There's nothing about it that really stands out, but yeah, it is one again, uh, you know, I have to, I go to every year because they're the giants are in the same division as the Cowboys and it, there's nothing about it. that it's just like kind of, it's just like, okay. So in the article, that's why I reached out to uh, one of our giants writers and I reached out to our jets writer, like, Hey, can you just have, give me some comment for this? Cause people are going to wonder how is this one of the newer stadiums? <laughs> Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And, we, and anyone follow John McChoda on the, for Cowboys and for stadiums and everything on The Athletic. Uh, thanks so much for coming on so, such short notice. But I, I read your article. I'm like, i got to have to have you on because I talk about stadiums all the time. No, I appreciated it. And, it, and I enjoy it, too. And, uh, and I enjoy the conversation, especially with someone that I r- so often run into people that will criticize it. And I'll be like, well, how many stadiums have you been to? And they're like, well, I've been to three. You know, I mean, I believe, me, believe me, I get it. I get it. If it's not your full-time job, it's tough to get to a lot of stadiums. You know, I mean, uh, my diehard, my friends that are diehard fans of the Lions I grew up with, you know, they've been to four, five, six stadiums, and that, and, and I get that. I'm not expecting people to be at twenty or thirty, but to, if you've be, if you've talked to somebody that's been to twenty or thirty. You just you kind of value their opinion on it a little bit differently. Thank you. He is John Machota of the Athletic. Follow him on Twitter at J O N Machota M A C H O T A.